Welcome to The Yoga Voice, a podcast by City Yoga, School of Yoga and Health. Our guests discuss how the contemporary practice of this ancient art transforms the lives of individuals and communities in the Midwest and beyond. City Yoga has been a center for the practice of yoga and yoga teacher training since opening in 2002. Join us as we explore how yoga inspires and transforms. Dave Sims here at the Yoga Voice, and with me today is Laura Spriggs Thompson. She's a yogini, mother of two lovely daughters, wife, aerialist wannabe, health and wellness promoter, lover of life, and much, much more. Laura, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me here today. All right. Well, I know it, I appreciate you taking time out because you've got busy care, busy schedule, caring for the kids and doing teaching yoga and all your activities. Um, well, we'll just jump right into it. I always like to kick off with the question, what's inspiring you about yoga today? It can be in general or your practice. Just we'll start there. Yeah. So um, as I as I think about it in my own practice, my own journey. Um, I think with a lot of people, you start heavily with asana and getting into the physical practice. And um, I love that. And But more and more, what really inspires me in my own practice is um, some of the subtler practices and aspects of yoga, getting more into the meditation, um, working with mantras, mudras, pranayama, um, and really going deeper and noticing how those deep practices really uh, impact our lives on a day-to-day basis Mm -hmm. that, you know, that we really touch something deeper within ourselves that connects with other people, connects with that greater energy, and helps us to live in the world in a from a more connected place. Yeah. Really. And then um, you know, seeing yoga really grow up is inspiring too. That, you know, it's still new in a lot of ways here in the States, but um you know, it's becoming more mainstream, right. that you're seeing it more places. And it's always cute. My dad, anytime he sees something yoga related, he calls me or texts me and or e- emails me and sends me the link. Or I just saw this article about <laughs> yoga. And, um, and so that's, I think that's really cute. And you see it everywhere. And so um, seeing more people becoming aware of it and the benefits and practicing. And, um, you know, a lot of times people will come in for the physical aspect and then trying to slowly figure out, oh, yeah, there's so much more than just that as well. Well, and that's so important that you carry that message to people because a lot of people, you just say the word yoga and they maybe think of a you know, somebody in a bendy pose on a magazine mm-hmm. cover or, but the fact that we're in the Midwest and it's really becoming mainstream here is, I mean, it's just really a, speaks highly of the wave of yogas come through America, I think. And, and I, I get a kick out of that as well. Um, so talk a little bit about your yoga journey. Like what, 
got you on the mat the first time and what was that experience like? Mm -hmm. and, and I know you've done so much since. So we'll just go back to your yoga roots. Right. Um, so I took a few yoga classes in college in the mid 90s. And, um, you know, I'd say at the time it wasn't it was interesting, but I didn't really get hooked in there. And then it was really around 2000, so almost 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, I had started making some shifts in my, I guess, my wellness and um, became more, started becoming more aware of eating and like looking at labels, reading what's in food, trying to um, minimize processed foods. And, and from that, that kind of sparked like, I feel like there's something else I need to do in my life. I just felt like there was a missing piece. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know what popped in my mind, but I thought, I'm going to try yoga. Uh -huh. And I'm going to get back into that. And um, at the time, you know, I was living in Cincinnati. There were maybe a couple of yoga studios. And but I was intimidated by going mm -hmm. to them. So I bought a couple of books and I just started, one was an Iyengar book. Okay. And they had a little six week program for doing yoga. They had a little sequence every day you could do. And I did that. I woke up early and I did that. And um, it was really changing, you yeah. know, to have that, that energy of waking up, of doing this practice, also the spark of something new and noticing that it was really impacting me positively. Mm -hmm. And did the book have, was it like a light on yoga or was it, it a It wasn't more of an light on yoga. It was instructional and I can't remember the name of it. Um, but it had all the, it had several poses. So it'd have a page, it would have the pose, uh -huh. pictures of it, how to do it. And then the, in the back, there was this, six week I think series of okay you're going to do these poses today on Monday and these poses on Tuesday and so you kind of go back and okay. look at the poses figure out what you're doing and <laughs> truly like a practice manual yeah. yeah okay yeah and um and it was shortly after that that my first husband Stephen got sick for the first time with okay. cancer and it really um that practice really became a huge support for me mm -hmm. of a place to um work through some of that physically yeah and um you know and, and then it's just continued and i think it took me about a year before i actually went into a yoga studio it's still in cincinnati it's still yeah, yeah still in cincinnati a cincinnati yoga school which i think has moved since then but um I started taking some classes there and then um, I found a teacher I really loved. It was, I think they called it Ashtanga. It wasn't like pure Ashtanga, uh -huh. but it was definitely vinyasa based. And there would, we'd have two rows facing each other okay. and we'd practice. And back then they were, you know, 90 minute classes mm -hmm. and um, it was challenging and it was playful and it was so fun. And then, my teacher, Donna, I remember asking her, so like, who are your teachers? Who do you go and study with? And 
she um, then introduced me to Mitchell Blair and Sienna Sherman, who okay. were in Cincinnati at the time, and they were um, Anasara yoga teachers. Uh-huh. And um, a whole yoga studio in Cincinnati, Shine Yoga Center, opened, and just it was all Anasara based okay. at the time. And so then I found them, and I was you know, deeper in love with yoga and the practices. And I would go to this advanced yoga class on Wednesday evenings. And it was just, you know, learning how to do the more challenging poses. And they would weave in a lot of philosophy too, which at the time, a lot of it was just over my head, Uh but I was like steeped in it. And I was, you know, really fired up to be there. And all the while, like it sustaining me, um, as you know, going through challenging times in yeah. life. Yeah. 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 So what, um, so that's, you said the philosophy stuff was going over your head, but, mm-hmm. but my sense of knowing you today that there's part of you that was curious, where's that curiosity mm-hmm. to the philosophy? Where did that kind of come from? And the mythology. Yeah. And- right. So I think, um, you know, the in the Anasara tradition, it was um, you know, there was a lot of focus on alignment in the practice, but also weaving in um, philosophy, especially from the tantric point of view, mm-hmm. and um, which is really a, like a life affirming philosophy. And so, it resonated with me because it made sense. It wasn't yeah. necessarily what. I was, you know, raised believing or, you know, being taught as I grew up and what we hear a lot in society, but it made sense to me. Mm -hmm. And um, that, you know, life is a gift. Life is not a problem that we have to solve, but a gift to be celebrated. And um, I really, you know, I enjoyed hearing it and listening to it. And then the, my teachers, Mitchell and Siana, they had brought in a philosophy professor, Douglas Brooks, to come and, and talk in Cincinnati and and talk about mind-blowing. He's <laughs> like, he keeps just going on off on tangents and everything, but his mind is um, is brilliant, brilliantly steeped in the, the traditions of yoga. And um, so I felt like it was drinking, trying to take a drink out of a fire hydrant, you know, <laughs> right. getting this, that, that little sip out of all this information that's yeah. coming out. And um, so it just, it, it started my interest and I keep, you know, I keep studying today. I love, um, I love the mythology, as you mentioned, um, the stories of different deities and um, using that as a way to really bring the philosophy into life into a more tangible way Mm -hmm. that um feels like you can apply it yeah in your practice in your life yeah well i i think of the deities and the different uh archetypes Mm -hmm. as there's valuable lessons from those stories and that um and i have always been drawn to that Mm -hmm. from my days in college with greek mythology and you know and it's just it's always kind of been there um, so you mentioned tantric philosophy. Mm-hmm. So for some of our listeners that may not be too familiar, would you want to do a little short version or whatever long version you want of, okay. 
of what that means to to right. you and yeah and through whatever lens you kind of picked it up on right and and I am by you know no means a philosophy scholar and um but I will I will like you said give it to you through my lens um and I know Tantra is kind of one of those words out there that has some, you know, negative connotations. Mm -hmm. Um, But if we look at it from kind of a a greater picture of of yoga, you've got like more of your classical um, yoga philosophy where like the yoga sutras come in, Mm -hmm. where you have more of this idea that there is... um, they call it Purusha and Prakriti, that you've got spirit and matter, and that in some way that those have been um, confused. And so the practices from that point of view are to kind of get back to spirit, to um, you know become liberated from this body. So the body can be seen as problematic and um, that our practices help us transcend that. Okay. So you've got that point of view, and that would be more of like a an aesthetical point of view where you're going to go like I think of like the yogis going to the caves uh-huh. and meditating and like trying to get out of this life. And then when you bring a little bit later in the, the Tantra, from that point of view, that the embodiment is not really seen as a problem, that it is a gift. And Tantra means um, the word tan can come from the, the, the Tantra comes from the roots tan and tra. And tan can be thought of as um, expansion and tra as a device. So Tantra can be thought of as a device that helps us expand. And so we're trying to expand our awareness, expand our consciousness, and also there's that metaphor of a loom mm-hmm. um, often. So like a device that expands can be thought of as a loom. And so this idea that we are trying to weave mm-hmm. our life together, um, that we are choosing yeah. out of our freedom what we are bringing to our life, how we are bringing our life together, how we are weaving our life together mm-hmm. and the tapestry that we're making. So whereas, you know, Uh, classical yoga might look at embodiment as a problem, as a bondage, and we're trying to get free from that. In Tantra, we might look at from the premise of we're already free and we get to choose how we, what we bind to, to make Mm -hmm. more meaning in our lives. Um, And so it's, you know, a, a, there's the affirmation of life and all that is, and not looking at things as good or bad, but inviting it all in as an opportunity to grow and expand ourselves a little bit more. Yeah, it's very kind of, um, yeah, I love that description of it and that idea of almost um, creation, you know, like an expansion of of this life and and the, uh, so yeah, that's very, very well, very well put. so you did, if I remember correctly, from what little I know of Anusara, but you know, looked into it way back, and mm-hmm. that the 
is that where you did your teacher training and that how was that that's a kind of a lengthy process it is so i um so i started when i was in cincinnati i i had you know i'd been practicing for a few years and i thought oh you know i want to go a little deeper and the the studio i was at um they offered a little immersion immersion and teacher training it wasn't you know a full-blown teacher training and so i um I took that and I remember, you know, feeling, oh, this is a you know big deal. And, yeah. I, and looking back now, it really was. You kind of step into the the rabbit hole yeah. of <laughs> of yoga training and it, and it can go on as long as you want it. Um, and so after that, I kind of started teaching to some friends. And then um, meanwhile, my those two teachers, Sienna and Mitchell, they had moved to Rochester, New York to be near the philosophy professor, Douglas Brooks, that I mentioned earlier. And I remember feeling like, oh, I, I just feel like I found them and they're leaving. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, little did I know that, you know, Sienna is still one of my primary teachers mm-hmm. today. And um, I was able to go to Rochester and do a teacher training with them and, and two other teachers. And then um, I traveled around and did a variety of trainings and um, and with different with different teachers, including John Friend, who was the founder of Mm -hmm. Anasara. And it was quite a process to become certified. You have to have been teaching for a certain amount of time and had um, so many hours and so many different trainings. And um, and then once you've fulfilled all the minimum requirements, you apply to get into the certification process and you have to um, take this long, extensive examination and, um, and then have some of your classes uh, reviewed by senior teachers. Uh-huh. And um, so it was quite, quite the process. Yeah. And um, in 2009, and I was pregnant with Annabella, my first one, um, that I got certified. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it was, yeah. And, wow. So and how old is Annabella now? And she just turned 10. 10, I was thinking, yep, she's yeah. hitting double digits. She is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hard to believe. Yeah. Well, that, um, well, that's interesting. It, it um, reminds me a little bit of the, like the Kundalini teacher training, which is there's a lot of multi-year programs that um, require teaching and review of classes and mm-hmm. teaching as an assistant sort of in different environments. And, um, and it's just interesting to me as, you know, leading a co-leading a teacher training here and looking at all those different programs that are out there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of my teachers, uh, Sarguru at Isha Yoga, I mean, their, their base, basic teacher training is 21 weeks. And I'm like, oh yeah, where's this is 21 weeks plus three weekend intensives. But their 21 weeks is you live at the ashram for 21 weeks and yeah. it's 24 seven. Like you're- It's a deep immersion. It is deep immersion mm-hmm. for, you know, that's like five months, four mm-hmm. and a half, five months. And, um, and then of course we do the basic 200 hour. And then I think a lot of other things kind of fall in between those those levels of intensity and um and like like you i i'm I'm drawn to learning you know Mm -hmm. i just i i I never want to stop being a student so so 
you wrapped up teacher training and started teaching, mm-hmm. or you were teaching. How's, right. how's that whole teaching journey unfolded for you? Yeah, so like I mentioned, I, I started um, just teaching some friends and just being able to get the words out and verbalize, which is, I think, a huge um, a huge step for a lot of people. You yeah. know, even if they've gone through teacher training, they might just not know where to begin or not feel confident mm-hmm. in their own voice. And so, I mean, the best thing you can just do is just get out there yeah. and like I said, teach some friends at first. And and I taught some classes in Cincinnati and then moved um, back to Indianapolis in 2005. And um, so you were from here originally? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then um, and went to school in Ohio and lived in Cincinnati. Okay. And then moved back here around 2005. And and I, I actually taught at City Yoga for a few months back when it was on Indiana oh, Avenue. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah, <laughs> and um, and taught at you know a few other studios, and um, I've just always continued to teach. Have you know a class or two or three or four mm-hmm. um, in different places around the city, and um, you know it's been my my passion and. Um, and I think, you know, one really good thing is when you're a teacher that it holds you more accountable to your own practices, mm-hmm. right? So that, like, if I'm going to be teaching this, this should be something that's part of what I'm doing or what I'm exploring and working with. And so it um, has helped with that accountability. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and I, you know, in, in, I think it was in 2012. Um, there was kind of a little disrupt in the Anasara yoga school and um, John friend had some ethical issues and, and it's still a school and it's still um, something that I draw upon in my teaching, but I stepped away from, you know, calling myself an Anasara yoga teacher. That sort of affiliation, which, yeah. Right. And, um, but like I said, there's still a lot of value that I hold dear from that time and that I draw into my teaching. But then there's room to explore other things as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Um, and I like to weave in, as I said, I bring into my own practice some of those more subtle practices. And I like to weave that into my teaching as well. And um and I'm exploring more in the world of Ayurveda, which is that sister science of yoga, um, kind of health and wellness practices, try to bring that into my life and offer it a little bit here and there and teachings. Yeah. And, um, and then the other thing that I'm starting to explore more is the I rest yoga nidra okay. practice that Richard Miller developed. Yeah, this Marsha trained with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a... Uh... How is that? Have you like gone to a training or you? I um I did. It was a couple of years ago. Um, there was a training, an immersion in mm-hmm. Indianapolis that I attended, and I've, um, you know, listened to things on my own and the, and you know read some books, and then he's offering um an online teacher training through oh, Yoga okay. International okay. that I'm working through. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, there was a actually a guy here at the studio visiting from Florida. Um, and he had done several levels of training 
through the IRS mm-hmm. with him and and was bringing and he was a um, he's like a, a vet so he had um, been I think he was deployed in Iraq or like somewhere in the Middle East and he's no longer in the military but he had a he was a career guy and now is taking that in to work with uh, vets and PTSD. Right. And, uh, you know, it's just like an amazing practice. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, it was cool to see him as somebody I'd known years ago. And uh, he just like showed up like, hey, Dave, <laughs> I'm like, Forrest, what? Oh, and yeah. uh, and uh, he gave me his card and he's doing a lot of good work in the mm-hmm. yoga world, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you you talked a little bit about getting this great foundation and Anusara and that kind of imploded its own little way. And, and uh, it reminded me of someone, I forget who it was. I was listening to a podcast. Um, I think it was a podcast. Anyway, this woman was talking about this uh, evolution of yoga in the West and really kind of globally. And she used the term, um, like post lineage yoga, mm-hmm. and and I think that's I think we're, we're kind of up at that point where there's you know like, like yoga came to the West and really the, the last century and then mm-hmm. the 70s 80s it did and by the 90s was exploding and it's surrounded you know it's really got its roots in the Midwest in the last probably 10 years mm-hmm. and uh, still growing really rapidly. But, and then there was a certain level of branding that was happening, you know, where things like Anusara came out mm-hmm. and Jiva Mukti and a lot of different traditions, if you will, or mm-hmm. methods. And then some of the, um, anyway, the, the woman's point was that, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of students and teachers put a lot of um, stock and belonging to a particular lineage, mm-hmm. which almost narrowed the scope of learning. And so what we were able to do, like what was happening now is that um, some of those things have gone by the wayside or people wanted to not affiliate. And it's kind of birthed this new teaching this new like understanding that you know it's sort of the old lineage about or the idea of the old adage of don't throw the baby out with the bath water right mm-hmm. so like what is bath water well it's, <laughs> it's it's dirty it's soiled water that had a purpose and it's no longer needed the baby is clean mm-hmm. so so we can you know it just seems like that um it's almost like an enlightenment of yoga in in the west where it's like yeah you know, I mean, some people had living gurus or no longer living gurus mm-hmm. that the teachings were still holding true. And the uh, the drama around the particular communities is as is, is a uh, fleeting, almost almost insignificant, but a, just a, a fleeting occurrence that the teachings will way outlast mm-hmm. really what, what whatever lineage out there. And, um, and I think that's, in my mind, why yoga has stood the test of thousands and thousands of years of being a philosophy of 
personal growth and expansion mm -hmm. and higher consciousness and um, almost holistic living. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned Ayurveda. Mm -hmm. So what, where have you studied with, or what brought you mm -hmm. into that, that interest? I mean, you talked about, like, I started looking at what I was eating a long right. time ago. And I'm guessing that evolved into an exploration of mm -hmm. Ayurveda. Right. And um, can I, can we back up just a second? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that the talk about the, the guru tradition yeah. is, is, is something that's been kind of on my mind lately because, you know, you'll hear, um, I mean, I think in where it, yoga has its roots in India, that, that is, um, there are those traditions, the the guru traditions and the lineage traditions, and it's something part of the culture almost, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and whereas we don't really have that in the West. That's not the model, right. the, the traditional model that's here. And, um, you know, you'll hear people that say that, you know, you're not really getting the true like download unless it's coming from this, mm -hmm. this lineage. But um I think one of the things with yoga is if you kind of look through the history that there is this constant adaptation and evolution of of the practices to meet the the current understandings and conditions of life mm -hmm. and um yeah and you keep the you keep what's working and you assimilate that and then you grow and expand into new um to new thoughts and ideas and um so, you know, as far as that, that idea of having the guru, I think um, if we remember the, you know, the guru really means um, the, the, the light and the dark. And it's like what can bring us out of the darkness of ignorance into mm -hmm. the light of awareness. And so that's not necessarily going to have to be, you know, a person um, or one person. It could yeah. be multiple persons and starting to open to see, you know, where can I learn in any experience and, yeah. and grow? Because um, it's, you know, and not that John Friend was a, you know, he wasn't a self-identified guru, but he had kind of that status and that position he got put on a pedestal yeah. and it's you know when that pedestal breaks or falls it's it's devastating for those that had put him there yeah um and so you know i i tend to be more wary now of like putting you know stock all in one thing yeah. and, and try to you know look and see where is what is the teacher in this moment yeah and it can come from anywhere yeah. Well, I, I learned a lot from uh, Todd Norian. Yeah. He was like... He had that twice. Twice. Right. He, I mean, he moved in the ashram and totally mm -hmm. devoted to following a path. And then the leader had some problems. Mm -hmm. And he abandoned that and went and spent another decade of his life or more. Right. And then, you know, now he's like, well, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm going to teach what I know. Mm -hmm. And I'm not following any any guru right <laughs> i mean i assume he's still that's his mindset i haven't mm -hmm. talked to him in probably a year but but I, I remember talking to him right after that time where he was doing part of a teacher training here and and it was just interesting i think he was 
ahead of his times a little bit mm -hmm. as as we look at the climate now and Nyanger and Ashanga and all these different things where people are distancing themselves from a tradition or a method, but they're committed to the practice, you know, and and Marsha always says, Yoga serves us, we don't serve yoga. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. So this is like this is a practice to enhance our lives. And so being able to um, keep keep the teachings alive, and I, and I do believe there's it's a transmission, and there's mm -hmm. a different layers of the self, and and there's energy, and the of course science is big on vibration right now, mm -hmm. and they're just really discovering the synchronicity of how things sync up, and uh, I think yoga was kind of teaching that long ago that. Um, I mean, in very basic science, they put, you know, an object and has a certain vibration, and then you move in similar objects, even different elements. They all eventually have the same Sync vibration. Mm -hmm. So, like, it's almost like the in the Amazon lightning bugs will start. A couple will start blinking randomly, and then thousands of them hmm. will be blinking in unison and you know so there's it's kind of like a a, a visual of what happens happening on like a really a molecular level with with matter and property and mm -hmm. the blend of prusha i mean it's a it's a it's a deep deep rabbit hole to go down so right. we won't go down there now <laughs> but but i do it, it is interesting to notice that um we can receive a uh, teaching from multiple sources mm -hmm. and then that weaves together to not necessarily be a, a new teaching but a new delivery that resonates with the people that are drawn to it and taking away the hierarchical and mostly patriarchal system, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's free in yoga to 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 really expand as a as a teaching for a holistic way of living and a transformative um, path in life that is suited for a busy householder Western lifestyle thing. Mm -hmm. So I, I, that's my observation of in in my time. You know, which is I've been in the community nearly as long as you have, and I got my first yoga class in two thousand and three or four, mm -hmm. which it was. Well, I didn't start that much before you, so. <laughs> but um, yeah. so, yeah, no, I, I appreciate you kind of stepping back into that because that I think people, you know, there there was a sense when I came in, like you got to find a teacher, mm -hmm. you know, and this idea that you needed to. Um, find just one well to drink from mm -hmm. you know and and as an avid reader and a lifelong student I'm like well there's there's a lot of books out there right. <laughs> you know right and so I was raised with keeping an open mind mm -hmm. really and so that allowed me to you know I, you know my first yoga book was like David Swenson's Mm -hmm. Ashtanga, Ashtanga practice manual mm -hmm. and then light on yoga mm -hmm. which 
at the time you're new to yoga, that's like a heavy read. Yeah. <laughs> like, nothing light <laughs> about this book, you know. And, um, you know, and then just Rolf Gates, mm -hmm. Meditations from the Mat. I'm like, ah, oh, well, this makes sense. Right. And so finding, you know, these people that have had um, great, great teachers and mm -hmm. but are able to transmit the teaching in contemporary language that mm -hmm. uh, reaches a lot of people. So I, and I think that's what you do in your class. You know, you've got you just do this beautiful job of of doing a little teaching, whether it's something related to Ayurveda and how we treat our self-care, our own health, mm -hmm. or one of the, you know, the goddesses or, or you know, one of the deities mm -hmm. and the, what what they represent and how that can, um, like, give people uh, some insight in their, their own life or behavior mm -hmm. or whatnot. So, um, and... And I did want to circle a little bit back to Ayurveda because right. I know you're you're doing a series of mm -hmm. health and wellness, right? And incorporating a lot of things. So, um, how has that journey been? I guess right. So, um, I would say probably my first um, foray into learning about Ayurveda was through that um, that teacher training that I did in Rochester, New York. Okay. They had. Um, they had brought in uh, the philosophy scholar, they had a, a Sanskrit scholar, and they had an Ayurvedic practitioner that came in and would um, be part of the training. And and so I kind of, you know, got the first little bits of it. And, um, and you know, a lot of it, it, it makes sense. It's another one of those things where, yeah, it makes sense, mm -hmm. but then in practice can be more challenging. Yeah. Um, so I feel like a lot of the, they call it the, you know, the dinacharya, which is the daily rituals, all of, the cleansing stuff, yeah, yeah, the practice of just, you know, day to day, <laughs> like things, um, you know, like waking up early and scraping your tongue and, um, drinking water, elimination, movement, breathing, like what to eat, when to eat, you know it kind of, it was a little overwhelming uh -huh. at first and, <laughs> and it kind of continued to be. And so it's, I think with anything, if we get overwhelmed, then we're more likely to just not do anything at all. Right. Yeah. Versus if I can just take one little step forward into this or a baby step, and then you just, you build from there. So, um, you know, throughout the years I would, you know, do I, you know, maybe learn a little bit more or there's the, the main woman that I've done studies with is Kate Stillman. And she was in the Anasara world as well, mm -hmm. but she has, um, she does a lot of different trainings and she'll lead, um, uh, detoxes every spring and fall. And so I think I had started with maybe just being on her newsletter and yeah. then, you know, getting some of the, doing a couple of the detoxes and, and, learning more here and there. And so I continue to kind of have study with her. And then um, I enjoy Maya Tawari. Her, she's got some really great books yeah. out there um, that bring in, you know, Ayurveda. And I feel like more of a, like a, from a spiritual practice almost of, um, you know, that really we're caring for our bodies because our bodies are temples and that it's, 
part of helping us to be able, if we feel good, we're going to be able to, you know, access that higher consciousness within ourselves a little more fully um, and to then be a better person in the world and offer that to our families and communities as well. Um, And so with Ayurveda, it's really all about, you know, finding balance and, um, and understanding ourselves um, from a a more subtle level so that, Mm -hmm. you know, if we might, we might start to feel like, oh, I've got a little something going on in my throat, or I'm feeling dryness, and that we can start to learn how to care for that so that it doesn't get to a full-blown um, illness. illness yeah. yeah. That they start to look at things from, you know, whereas Western medicine, it's not going to really come in until like you've got Sick disease care. going on. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And um, this tries to, you know, can we catch this something really early or can we just understand the, the daily rhythms, the seasonal rhythms of life and really attuning to nature mm-hmm. and what's going on. So like right now we're in fall and it's this, you've got more of the, um, so they talk about, you know, the five elements and that these are always weaving through um, life and through our bodies. And um, so in fall, you've got the elements of air and ether that are predominant. So things get um, dry mm-hmm. a lot. Right. And you notice like yeah. skin, everything kind of dries out. And so bringing in qualities that are more grounding and, um, you know, eating foods that are more moist, oily, um, grounding, you know, I think root vegetables, soups, stews, things like that with some spice to like give a heating quality yeah. to it. Yeah. That, um, it's so interesting as, um, like I've drawn to Ayurveda as well, that, mm-hmm. um, because I think it, the, the philosophy around it. And um, as you were talking, I was thinking this climate is shifting, like, mm-hmm. um, recognizing how because because you're tuning in to a more sensitive perception of our skin you mm-hmm. know like oh it's a dry season my mm-hmm. skin is drier and and how you know like the fall could be colder and drier than mm-hmm. it used to be the spring could be hotter and wetter <laughs> i mean like there's right. these the summer can be there's there's more extremes in our weather patterns than there have been last several centuries anyway and and um so i it, it'd be it's like now it's a time for people to tune in to these elements right. and the how it affects the human system mm-hmm. so anyway that's where that's how my mind works yeah. when, I, when i hear this <laughs> well and i think um you know that's an interesting uh thought and you know i think with yoga in general that it's just um we become more sensitive Mm -hmm. to what's going on um instead of just you know numbing out that you know and and you know we've all done it and but it seems like our society likes to numb out a lot with you know tv with our devices and i'm guilty i'm on my phone a lot yeah um with overeating over you know everything that we um we lose some of that sensitivity to really understand what's going on um in nature and in our in our own bodies our own ecosystem 
And um, so these practices, all of the practices of of yoga and, and Ayurveda, I think really help us to go in more subtle and subtle and become more sensitive to, mm-hmm. you know, what is going on and how can I best respond? Yeah. Well, and don't you feel energized by that, mm-hmm. that finding balance or finding some cleanse or, right. or the, the, I guess the benefits of the practices? Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely and that's yeah i mean ultimately that like i was saying with with tantra we're not trying to get out of our bodies we're trying to like be better at living in our bodies and um yeah and we want to feel good yeah well that you know um saguru he's Mm -hmm. tantra philosophy and and that idea of like you know people want to be happy Mm -hmm. and not like a a uh, numbed out blissful unrealistic view but like a genuine joyful feeling coming Mm -hmm. from within that radiates out Mm -hmm. and that uh, aligning our energies through what we eat how we move our bodies Mm -hmm. how we navigate emotions and and all that frees us for that expansion like you put it and and I, i really I see the, that parallel in his teaching and, and what you were sharing is mm-hmm. that, I mean, that's really um, like he'll say, like, you know, do you want to be around joyful people? And mm-hmm. everybody like nods their heads. Yes. Right. He's like, I want to be on a planet full of joyful people. Right. <laughs> and and it's not meaning we don't take care of business, mm-hmm. but the day to day ins and outs of life can be done with that perspective, with mm-hmm. these tools, right. yoga and Ayurveda. I think we're designed Mm-hmm. Designed for that, and that, um, like you talked about, the before we get an illness, where we can see these subtle subtleties in our whatever system of the bodies mm-hmm. of being affected, and then we can be preventative, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think that's what I heard you saying. So, right. and it's and it's um, can be a, a self practice. It's like you don't have to depend on you know, going to somebody else and yeah. saying you should do this and this. It's like, oh, I can, I'm getting the firsthand experience. I can listen to these subtle cues in my body and then know, okay, I need to take some kind of action here. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, uh, I was talking to someone not too long ago, went to see a Ayurvedic practitioner, sort of the doctor of Ayurveda and, um, and he, he like wrote him a prescription, handed it to him, and said, "Yoga." <laughs> He's like, "Go do, go do some yoga," uh-huh. you know. So there's like this, uh, this sort of a self care. It's like the, it's not take a pill. I mean, there's mm-hmm. there's helpful herbs and remedies and all that. Mm-hmm. I get, it. but um, you know, there's things we can do, and we find the discipline to do them, mm-hmm. and. I think about you, you started, you know, yoga and, and, and college and dabbled, but then really got into mm-hmm. it. What has helped you maintain a, a discipline and a practice through ups and downs of life and, mm-hmm. and the uh, children and Stephen's illness mm-hmm. and all, all that? Um, I'm, I'm, as much as I know you, I'm, I'm sure that yoga was a very consistent. Um, force in your life mm-hmm. through 
you know, up to this point. What kept you kind of grounded in the practice? Yeah, I, um, you know, that it's the, the practices, they, I mean, I feel like you call it a practice because you're practicing sometimes for when life is really challenging so that when you do face those challenges that you can move through them a mm -hmm. little more easily, gracefully. And um, I don't know, I think that initial just like I felt good with it. Um, and so that kind of continued me. And then there was kind of this spark of like when you start something new, there's this energy that's you know of excitement of like oh this is great and so yeah. i had that for a long time and then it's just once something once you keep doing something for a while it becomes a habit it becomes part of who you are and you don't even have to think about it as much um it just you go you go to the mat you sit down and meditate or you, you practice and um that's one of the things that um, Kate Stillman, who I do some Ayurveda stuff with, she talks a lot about habit evolution and that mm -hmm. um, she tries to break down, like she calls them the daily habits of yogis. Okay. And so some of these, the Ayurvedic wisdom that she tries to bring in a practical way and looks at like, can I just make um, a 1% improvement? You know, I don't have to, you know, say, you're supposed to go to bed before 10 o'clock and say you currently go to bed at midnight. Can you, instead of jumping to 9.45 or 10, can you go to bed five minutes earlier than you did last night? Mm -hmm. And, you know, try to scale things back that way. Gradual. And so gradual. Yeah. And then, then it becomes a habit. And when something's a habit, you don't even think about it, right? You just mm -hmm. do it. Like you get up, you brush your teeth, right. whatever it is. It's a habit. You don't have to think about it. And so trying to bring these things that are more a habit. So it's part of like my my practices that I, I do this. And it hasn't always been like that. And I haven't always practiced, you know, asana every day. And I've gone in, in phases of things. Um, but the more you keep coming back to it, the more you build those habits and those practices and they sustain you. And, um, you know, I think about yoga as it's sometimes I think there's this misconception that's like, oh, it's all about, you know, unicorns and rainbows and, you know, <laughs> yeah, that yeah. like the positive and the light and um, that really it's kind of welcoming everything that we're experiencing, especially the challenging things mm -hmm. and and not like bypassing that, not doing the spiritual bypassing of right. like of avoiding it or pushing it away or saying that's, you know, anger and fear and sadness are bad. You know, they're not, they're just, they're part of our experience and what can we, how can we grow from that? How can we um, really feel it and then use it to, to go deeper into who we are and the, the practices I think help us yeah. with that. If, um, if used yeah. consistently over a long period of time, yeah. <laughs> well, and you mentioned like spiritual bypass, which I'm mm -hmm. glad you use that term because it can it can be prevalent in mm -hmm. yoga and yoga teachers in right. particular, where there's not a um, a real confronting of what's going on. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, I'm just going to go meditate for an hour. Right. Like, well, if you're pissed, you need to tell somebody mm -hmm. you need to talk through it or mm -hmm. 
get the energy out. Right. Um, I'm a big believer in getting energy out, which is probably why yoga is so you know popular in the West because mm-hmm. we have we you know, we've got all this dysfunction. <laughs> and I, I think I was in college, they um, in like a psych 101 class, and I was like, well, it's like 70 percent of all Americans have some type of neuroses. <laughs> Like, oh, we're just like a neurotic country. Mm-hmm. Okay, I get it now. And um, but we all have our stuff. Mm-hmm. And we have to if we don't admit it and figure out how way to flush it out, then that it becomes a spiritual bypass. So, so right. I encourage meltdowns on the yoga mat, yeah. you know, or releases or um asking questions and and i think that's something i learned from marcia you know pappas she's like you know it's really just about asking better questions like that's what will Mm -hmm. get us farther along the path is learning to ask better questions and not um numbing out Mm -hmm. or because we do our culture as you said you know it's pretty pretty prevalent Mm -hmm. on on numbing out and you know i've done my share of that as well Mm -hmm. so i'm not um free from that right you know human frailty i guess so but uh um and sometimes it serves us yeah sometimes we're not we're just not in a place but we're ready to deal with some of those harder more challenging emotions or issues yeah but yeah not getting stuck there either right well and that's I think that's a good point too, because we can um, compartmentalize things, which is like a healthy coping mechanism, Mm -hmm. as long as we, some point, circle back to those things. Right, exactly. But you know, because there's the other side of that is is being totally immobilized or debilitated Mm -hmm. by a challenge, Mm -hmm. and not being able to, you know, step back up and Mm -hmm. function, and so the finding that that balance between the extremes i guess mm-hmm. is i think what yoga and ayurveda you know finding finding that balance mm-hmm. and um the um um i was going to ask you um uh, i know i've listened to you do talks and things about mythology and and different so i, I wanted to ask you mm-hmm. about like to just share a little story of one of like your one of your favorites mm-hmm. around the deities and the okay. uh, um and uh, I'll I'll just give our audience a little little backstory as uh, several years ago Laura talked to us about talked to me about having uh, Manoj Chalam mm-hmm. come in who's a great storyteller and uh Ken refers to him uh, as a for, he refers to himself as like a, a little schleppen Murtis around the country. Yeah, the Murtiwala. <laughs> yeah, the Murtiwala. So he, I think Laura met him at a at a yoga festival. Was it like a... He used to, um, back with Anasara, he used to travel around to some of the, the um, trainings or workshops oh, yeah, that John yeah. would lead. And so, yeah, I... Um, I met him, I think, for the first time, maybe in 2003, 2003, 2004. And, um, yeah, and he would come and he would sell his his mortis, which are the kind of the the statues of the deities. And 
Um, and he would sometimes give talks during the different workshops. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I, I always, I wanted to mm -hmm. thank you for introducing me to him. And, well, I think it was Nikki that introduced you to oh. him, but I knew him. And so when you said, oh, he's coming, I was like, oh, that's perfect. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. were very encouraging. I yes. remember that. Okay. Laura's mm -hmm. on board. <laughs> on board. This must be a good thing. Right. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, but it, well, so yeah. So tell, yeah. you feel like sharing a little sure. story. Um, so this one's kind of fresh in my mind. Um, and when I think about the, the deities, I think about, you know, it's not like, and there's different ways to work with them, but it's not like this is, you're looking at all these different separate gods it's, and goddesses. It's, they're really all aspects, different aspects of that one great energy. And, um, and, but sometimes it's easier for our minds to connect and understand and relate if that takes a certain form um, or that there's a certain energy around it. So here is a story about Ganesha, um, or sometimes called Ganapati, who's the elephant-headed god. And um, he is one night, there is this great party, and he is... Um, coming home and he's riding on his vehicle, which is a mouse, mm -hmm. which is ironic. You know, this elephant God on this, this little mouse, that's his vehicle. And um, he's carrying, his belly is full of sweets because he enjoys the, to eat sweets and his belly is the universe and, and the sweetness of life. And he's carrying some leftover sweets in his hands and this snake comes along the path and it frightens the mouse and the mouse rears up and Ganesha falls off and all the, the sweets spill out everywhere. And at this time in history, um, so it goes, the moon is always full and the moon sees this spectacle of the, the snake coming out, the mouse getting scared and Ganesha falling and starts laughing and Ganesha gets angry just like, you know, no one wants to be made fun of, right? Uh -huh. Especially when they're feeling vulnerable and they've just fallen. And so Ganesha breaks off one of his tusks and he throws it at the moon and it pierces the moon and the moon goes dark. And so, you know, we think about the full moon and there's this, this fullness, this nectar, this, um, inspiration, you know, inspires the poets and the lovers and the artists. And, um, and this has all gone dark and everyone's like, what is going on? We, we need the full moon. We need this inspiration, this, um, this nectar back to life. And so they all go to Ganesha and they say, you gotta, you gotta do something about this. And he finally says, okay, so here's what I'm going to do. I will allow for the moon to be full one night during the month and it'll be dark one night of the month. And every other time, every other night, it's going to be waxing or waning. Mm -hmm. And so <laughs> describes the cycles of the moon. And, um, and really it's that idea that there is always this pulsation that we have this, these times of expansion, these times of contraction. And it's, about embracing all of it, embracing not only the light, but also the dark. So like we were talking earlier about, um, you know, it's it's nice to feel good and to be happy. And but then maybe it's uncomfortable to have, you know, anger and 
sadness, fear, some of those more of what we would quote unquote call negative emotions are more challenging. But yoga invites us to really embrace all of it, embrace the whole cycle of yeah, it. I love so, that. Yeah. What a beautiful, beautiful story. And the uh, and and it so applies to so many t- traditions of yoga. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know um, for our listeners that don't know at City Yoga, we offer a variety of traditions from Ashtanga to Kundalini to Yen and restorative and power vinyasa and heated and non-heated and all these things that um, just to do our best to serve the breadth of the community. But there's pretty strong Ashtanga, you know, cohort mm-hmm. here that, that Ganesh is a big part of the, that. Mm-hmm. And there's a, the moon days, like they, they always don't practice on a full moon or a new moon. Okay. So, it, and, I, and part of that is for introspection mm-hmm. and also some energy stuff. But, right. but, um, but no, it can make me think about that. It's mm-hmm. like, a, what a, what a, like a, um, just like a beautiful way to, to uh, embrace the gradual change, the movement from light and dark. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's very, very beautifully done. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, so we're yeah we're time is just going right on mm-hmm. by here so we um, start to wrap up a little mm-hmm. is there something on on your mind you want to share we haven't touched on the topic or any anything um, well I would just like to say I appreciate the work that you're doing in the community um, you know at one point I had dreams of having a yoga studio and um and then I kind of realize how much work it is and <laughs> <laughs> right or you know and, and then I had kids and I was like okay yeah. there's no time for all that yeah. but um it's not it's kind of a thankless job I think sometimes probably for you mm. and um it's not an easy thing to hold the space and to hold the space for the community and the students and all the teachers and all the different personalities but I appreciate, you know, you and all the other studio owners in town and the the work that they're doing to create these spaces that we can come and we can practice and we can explore and be in community together. So it's not like we're not just having to do it on our own and and learn yeah, from books or right. the web now, I guess we would yeah. learn. But it, there's a different energy when you are in community with other people practicing. Yeah. I mean, it's good to have your own practice, but it's good to be able to be with other people as well. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Mm-hmm. And I I hadn't really thought about that as much as, um, you know, where like your journey started in books, right? Mm-hmm. And I think like Marsha started watching Lillian Follis right, on PBS, right. you know, and so there's like there's I've talked to many, you know, people that have been in yoga in the Midwest anyway for 20, 30 years, and getting into it was, um, you know, was you really had to be just driven to mm-hmm. find something. Now you can go. You can't, you know. Oh, you get an app. Drive, you, drive. Right. Well, you can't. There's no excuse to not find a studio, right, right. and there's an app. Mm-hmm. There's yoga streaming from all right. different directions, but there's used bookstores with 
whole sections of yoga books mm-hmm. <laughs> you know where you know it's right. just it's a beautiful thing to see how right. it's evolved and come full circle and um so i mentioned you have a series coming up mm-hmm. or you're in the midst in of the it mid- and yeah. maybe next year you're going to do something yeah. else right yeah i haven't gotten anything officially put together okay. i know at some point annie your wife and i would like to do maybe something with um plant-based eating or other health and wellness and yoga um influence series and um i would like to do some more that's kind of where i see my myself progressing in in my teaching is offering um more workshops or series or trainings on bringing these practices to life um to really you know i I think there's a lot of people that want to that want to teach and that's wonderful but then there's I think a whole lot of people that just want to learn more yeah. and bring the bring these practices into their life um, a little more fully and so that's where kind of my my energy I think is going to be directed in the okay. years coming. Well that's good. We'll we'll talk I have some good ideas for you. Okay, perfect. <laughs> um that um no that's that's really um I think that's fills a valuable gap in the community mm-hmm. uh we're so grateful to have you as a part of the community and mm-hmm. and you know love the fact you teach you're here and at the other studio and 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 around the city i mean the um um uh, and a big thank you out there to other studio owners because because what you mentioned is like mm-hmm. yeah it's important to provide a space for community mm-hmm. and you know, every year we do the monumental yoga down the circle, which mm-hmm. is like this great embodying practice of bringing everybody together on the summer solstice and and uh, mark your calendars June twenty first. I'll put a little plug in for it. Nice. But what I love about that is the um, like it's at least to me it feels like we're really coming together as a community, mm-hmm. and there's not a not the sense that you see in a lot of like retail industry or restaurant industry or these you know these other like industries where there's this competition and there's this one-upsmanship i mean there's like and and i think feel like there's a lot less of that in the yoga community than there is at large Mm -hmm. i mean granted there's some but that event i feel like it's just like hey we're all here together and we're you know, just being real and doing some uh, something together to promote an awareness around yoga. Right. And um, sorry, those little getting, seg- getting segue. The, getting but, the big picture of what it's all about, really. And yeah. Right. It's mm-hmm. like an embodiment of that yeah. big picture. So, mm-hmm. um, so what I'll do is um, I will put some of the teachers that you've mentioned. I'll I'll list them in our podcast notes. Okay. So. Um, some of the books you mentioned, just mm-hmm. as resources. And you, you have a website. I know you're on Facebook. Yeah, and so my, my website I, is is down. I need to, that's one of my to-do things is to That'll revamp be. a website. Um, I the, do have a, a, a Facebook page. I, I haven't really promoted it yet, but uh, Laura Spriggs Thompson, Yoga and Wellbeing. So you can look for that and then i've kind of recently restarted doing an an email newsletter so you can sign up for that as well okay very good so Mm -hmm. that way they'll know where to find you Mm -hmm. and then um 
you can find Laura teaching City Yoga on Friday. And what you want to give your put your schedule out there, or I can put it in the notes. Sure. Yeah, I'll we'll add it to the notes. Okay. It's great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us here thank today. Thank you for having me, Dave. Appreciate right. it. Have an awesome day. Me and too. And uh, to everyone out there listening, thank you so much for tuning in today and and uh, listening to our show. I encourage you to leave comments, uh, rate us, uh, email us suggestions on people you might want to have on the show. And uh, that helps us to sustain our, our program to keep bringing these wonderful teachers out into the hear their voice in the community in the midwest and beyond in some of our international audience so thank you all again for listening and have an awesome day thank you for listening to the yoga voice brought to you by city yoga school of yoga and health where we are committed to exploring how yoga inspires and transforms find out more at www.cityyoga.biz that's C-I-T-Y-O-G-A dot biz. Special thanks to our producer, Brian Sims, for his audio expertise.